Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of the In The Hub podcast, brought to you by Playbox Technology UK. Today, I'm speaking to Jason Thibault, Executive Director at the Streaming Video Alliance. The Streaming Video Alliance is a not-for-profit organisation that seeks to shape the future of online video through education, guidance and collaboration. We talk a bit more about the Alliance, how advertisers benefit from online content and what we can expect from the future of streaming. Hope you enjoy. Right, so welcome to the In The Hub podcast today, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. That's very good to hear, very good to hear. Um, so what we usually do on this podcast, we just launch straight into the questions. So if that's okay with you, we'll, we'll fire some of these off. That sounds fantastic. Awesome. So just for a little bit of background before we do start, for anyone who might not have heard of you before, how did you come to be involved in, in kind of streaming and, and the broadcasting industry in general? You know, where did it all begin for you? Yeah, so um, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of a, that's kind of a funny question. So I've been a serial entrepreneur uh, for a lot of my uh, professional career. I uh, spun out a dot-com back in the dot-com days. It was big spin-out. Um, you know, we got merged. We went down with the dot-boom. And, and it sort of went up with the dot-boom and down with the dot-bust uh, with everybody else. Yep, yep. Uh, and so after that, I, I did another startup, and it was focused on, on really sort of linking the desktop with the mobile phone, kind of pre-iPhone. And... We were looking at, at that time, how do we help people watch videos that they have on their computers when they're away from their computers via their phone? So we kind of built almost, in a sense, a mobile video CDN. Um, and that got me started when that uh, dot-com folded. We tried to raise money in, in 2008, which was a bad time to be raising money. I hooked up with a company called Limelight Networks. So I stepped into uh, sort of a senior executive role there. and. Uh, I eventually stayed like eight years, so I was steeped in uh, the online video and the broadcast industry. So I worked with a lot of broadcasters like uh, Bell Canada and Bestel and some other folks to kind of bring them into the streaming realm. And at the same point, I was working with a lot of streaming companies uh, to sort of help them develop better uh, performing streaming services, better viewing experiences, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, I got recruited by the SVA, which uh, really sort of put its uh, tent in the ground in 2015. I got recruited by them out of Limelight in 2016, and then sort of the rest is history. Yeah, I was going to say that that's obviously led you up to the point now of, of being executive director at the SVA. But just a kind of like side note, it almost seems as if this industry always seems to kind of draw in serial entrepreneurs like yourself. It's It's, you know, I don't know whether that's a case of, of you just stumbling across th- these kind of technologies or, or whether it's been, you know, your roadmap from the start. But it almost seems like, it, you know, broadcasting, streaming in general really does attract the, these kind of entrepreneurial mindsets. So I think that's quite interesting. I mean, it, it does. I, I would say all, um, let's call them bleeding edge technologies do that. So, yeah. you know, if you're looking at IoT or AI or ML right now, they're going to attract a lot of entrepreneurs, people who want to solve problems, right? And that's yeah. that's really what an entrepreneur does, right? They're not about necessarily at the beginning operationalizing or commercializing a technology. They're trying to figure out how do I use this tech to solve this problem or how do I solve a problem in the tech stack? Um, So yeah, I mean, I'm an, you know, I've got a, again, I got a weird background, right? I have a graduate degree in literature, but I've been a software developer for like 20 (laughs) years. Like I've been a programmer in 15 languages. I mean, it's, you know, so I've got this weird mindset where I'm a builder. I like to build things. I like to solve 
tough challenges and streaming represents that tough challenge. It still does, even though we have this, you know, tech stack that's been evolving for the past, like let's even say 20 years, um, there is still so much greenfield innovation to be had in terms of improving the experience, improving the delivery, uh, you know, improving the, again, the operationalization of it. It's just, there's so many problems to solve. So with that said, yeah, you're right. It, it does, you know, it's like flies, it's like flies to honey. I mean, it bears to honey, <laughs> you know, whatever you want to say, they, you know, it attracts people who want to solve problems. Yeah, 100%. I think that's what's so exciting about streaming to me it personally is, is, you know, a day could go by you never know what's around the corner essentially um, well and, and, like and said, yeah exactly and, and think about that now too right so you have these big companies who have embraced streaming disney you know comcast uh, sky you know just pe- companies you know very well established companies have embraced streaming and now there are more challenges like how do you deliver all this video at scale like <laughs> and not only to that how do you deliver it you know at scale high quality to all these different devices, right? I mean, how different is that from broadcast? Broadcast was how do I deliver this one stream, not even stream, how do I deliver this one signal to this set-top box? Like there was there was no diversity of ecosystem there. And so streaming, again, you know, when you start looking at and picking apart all of those things, streaming has so many areas to focus and fix and and improve and build upon that, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what's exciting about it. There's just so much to do. Yeah, 100%. You'll never be bored, I don't think, Jason. Um, <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't already know, uh, uh, you know, could you just quickly fill us in on, on what the Streaming Video Alliance is? You know, what do you guys seek to achieve? Is there a kind of an end goal? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, we, we have several pillars uh, upon which we stand. Uh, ultimately, we are a technology consortia similar to other groups like us in the industry so in in you know in Europe you've got DTG and DVB out here you've got Simti and IETF and W3C but CTA we're all the same uh, we tend not to focus on standards so the problem with standards is they take two three four years to ratify and and like what we just talked about by the time you do that in the streaming world the technology may have moved past the standard so you're like hey look we've got this thing all figured out and people are like well we, well we stopped doing that 2 years ago we do this thing now um so we focused in on best practices guidelines specs uh you know really things that were tangible and tactical for companies in the streaming industry to use right away like how can i improve what i'm doing right now uh because Part of the issue in streaming is, you know, as, as everybody commercialized streaming, you know, people were solving problems with, with you know, Band-Aids, duct tape, and bubble gum. And they were doing whatever they could to fix what problems they had to continue being able to provide a commercial service. And so that, you know, that in and of itself, um, you know, that makes streaming, you know, just not like broadcast, right? We, we need to be flexible and agile. So the Streaming Video Alliance was founded in 2015, really to start solving some of those problems to provide, you know, solutions, even if they were interim solutions to the challenges that a lot of people face. So again, like the other groups, we have working groups across the workflow. We have member companies that send engineers, you know, into our working groups. They, 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 they get projects, they decide their own projects. They write their own documents, and then it goes through a ratification process, and then we release it free to the public, right? We want the whole industry to use our stuff. So, you know, the, the pillars that we stand on are things like, you know, education, right? We want to educate the industry on the challenges. If we can't all talk with the same language and cover the same problems, then how can we all come together and solve them? You know, things like diversity, sustainability, 
Um, you know, again, we, we're focused on a core group of, of activities and all of our, all of our events and things like that on top of those activities are meant to support those core goals. Some fantastic goals, you know, fantastic calls all round, isn't it really? And it's, it's great to see that there are these kind of organizations popping up in alliances that, that really are seeking to educate, you know, for the, for the most part, which is, it's, it's fantastic. Yep. You know, I'm hesitant to bring this up. I know COVID's been a, a massive, massive thing for for everyone over the past few years. I know it's it's you know uh, obviously been huge. Now that we're kind of finally starting to to come out the end of it, I don't want to jinx it or anything like that. But um, now that we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for, from COVID and with vaccinations and everything, uh, looking back and and you guys are you know I imagine you guys will know this best. It's it, can you do you have a kind of clear picture of, of how streaming performed during this time? Yeah, I mean the the data's out there, right? It exploded. Um, I mean, the growth was, you know, exponential. Um, and obviously that's partly because people were at home. And so they're like, Wow, well, you know, what can I watch at home? It, it it was a shift. Um, and and we're starting to see now the reverse happen as people going back into the office. Uh, you know, subscriptions are sort of ta- either tapering off or people are matriculating out of their subscriptions and keeping a few, you know, more than they had pre-COVID, but less than they had during COVID. Um, you know, we're starting to see that as well. But streaming as a whole, like the growth has been, again, it's been astronomical. Um, and, and the service providers have met the challenge, right? So there was a lot of data put out. Uh, like if you, if you go to the um, NCTA, which is one of our member companies, but they are uh, the National Cable and Telecommunications Association, they track sort of a lot of the service providers in the U.S., uh, and the data that came out was these service providers, Verizon, Comcast, Charter, all those folks, like they they met the demand with flying colors. Um, now, obviously, we had issues in other parts of the world, right? So the the EU, you know, really sort of asked, you know, Netflix, uh, you know, and, and I think it was Amazon uh, to sort of tone down the bit rate, right? Hey, sorry, provide your users with less quality so that we can reserve some of our overall network bandwidth for people that actually need to get work done, like with Zoom meetings. Um, and we don't really know if that would have had an impact, but they were being preemptive, which which is fair enough. And so that leads back to the innovation thing. So now the innovation is, okay, well, how can we use less bandwidth but still provide the same quality? So, you know, again, new challenges popped up even in the midst of this, you know, momentous growth and adoption of streaming. Now, you know, I mean, it goes without saying, broadcast is still king, right? <laughs> Way more people watch broadcast television than the streaming. But, you know, streaming is continuing to chisel into the, that broadcast, you know, grip. And even a lot of the broadcasters are shifting their technologies from what they were using before to IP-based. And so then once you do that, now, now the broadcaster can say like, well, we can not only provide this stuff to your set-top box, but we can also provide you you know, our subscriber, our customer, with the ability to watch that content on your phone when you're outside of your home. So um, there are some tectonic changes, uh, you know, that that are happening, that have been happening, that were accelerated by COVID. Um, and now that we're, like what you said, coming out of it and, you know, knock on wood, um, you know, we are, we are going to see those changes accelerate. Um, and everybody's going to benefit from that. The broadcaster benefits because it's cheaper to deliver that kind of content um, in that manner, right? And, you know, it's, I'm sorry, laying, laying fiber is expensive. Um, you know, ATSE 3.0 will solve some of that, but that's going to take a long time for those devices to come out into the market like televisions and things. So it's, yeah, there's, there's, 
it, it it's kind of hard to wrap your arms around like how much the pandemic really affected the future of streaming. I, I don't know, you know, what would have happened to streaming had we not had that. Um, you know, I think the growth would have happened, but it would have been so much slower. Um, the acceleration that that provided was uh, was just unprecedented. Yeah, it, it really hit home for me when you said, uh, obviously, just look at the amount of subscriptions you had coming into COVID and, and coming out. And it's, you know, I look back and it's it's not just the kind of big platforms. You know, during COVID, I was diversifying into uh, some of these more niche platforms as well that, that provide yeah. content for obviously niche audiences. Um, and I think that's quite interesting as well. You are seeing the, these kind of platforms pop up that cater to absolutely everyone. Well, and we've been talking about that for a while. I mean, I have uh, for a while that, you know, those are the companies that are going to eat into, you know, the Netflix's market share, right? Because yeah. people people will be able to support, like, let's say I want uh, I, I want two or three streaming services, right? So I'm going to I'm going to do Netflix, I'm going to do Disney, uh, Amazon gives it to me as part of Prime. So I've got these three services. I really can only support a couple more, maybe you know, not only just pocketbook wise, but just time wise. And I'm going to go after content that's very, very interesting to me, um, not just this, you know, big buckets of content. And that, that's and that's kind of the, you know, like Netflix has become, you know, a studio. Amazon has become a studio. Disney's already a studio. They're producing content you can't find anywhere else. Um, so those, in a sense, are, are, you know, both general and niche at the same time. But, yeah, those those services that that provide content to a very specific audience will always be i think successful before potentially they get gobbled up by a bigger company yes exactly that's what i was going to bring it on to it will be yeah they get swallowed up basically yep. uh, which i hope doesn't happen I, I i'd like that kind of creative freedom that, that some of them do provide absolutely um, and i hope it does stay that way um you did touch on it there jason it, it's that whole idea of traditional broadcast obviously, obviously still remaining king um and obviously, from what you were saying there, you know, while streaming continues this this huge, huge growth, um, linear television and, and viewing through satellite obviously remains that primary way um, that, that people consume content. Uh, do you think streaming has a, a really long way to go in terms of overtaking that? And, or do you think it will ever triumph over linear television? Or, or do you think they're too, you know, they're not quite on a parallel uh, roadmap? Do you think that they, they can coexist? So when we talk about linear, that is just a way to watch television. That's a way to watch a video. And that means that the provider is telling you, the viewer, what's going to come on and when you can watch it. Now, linear can be delivered via traditional broadcast or it can be delivered via streaming. It doesn't matter. So there are lots of linear channels on uh, available via streaming. Like look at Pluto, right? Pluto TV is largely a linear set of channels, right? It's, it's here's what's on and you can go and choose to watch. It's a very, very similar to our, what we call our lean back television experience, right? I, I sit on my couch, I turn the TV on and I go to the guy. Um, that's what people are used to. And so that, that's happening, you know, across the board. That's never going to change. People, people still want that. Look, look. So Netflix releases their content all in one, right? It's the binge model. But if you look at like HBO and Disney, they are doing a weekly release of content because that's what people like. It excites people. They're like, oh, I can't wait till the next episode next week. Um, and the thing is, too, is that people don't spoil it on social media. So, you know, so so that linear model is never going to go away um, in terms of how we access the content, whether that's 
via a service provider, or, or, you know, like a network operator, like a Sky or a Liberty Global, you know, in Europe or an Orange or whatever, um, whether we access it through them and their traditional terrestrial broadcast system, or we're accessing it through some sort of streaming application, whether it be on the big screen TV in our living room, whether it be on our phone, on our computer, uh, on a connected device like an Apple TV, you know, that that's the big shift that's happening. And again, that goes back to that, what I talked about before, the tectonic change and how broadcasters are looking at delivering content. It's so much cheaper, cheaper to deliver it via IP networks than it is to deliver it via terrestrial fiber and satellite networks. It's just expensive. So um, so the answer is, the, the real question is, is when will the, the streaming as a mechanism to deliver video overtake the terrestrial broadcast signal-based approach to delivering content? You know, I'd probably say in the next, you know, 15 to 20 years, that's that's going to be that's going to be done, right? We're going to put a fork in that. Um, and and again, it's 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 all about it's 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 about cost. Once you unshackle, you know, the video from those you know that fiber and those terrestrial lines and and digitize it, right? Put it into bits and bytes and deliver it out via streaming. The things you can do to it are phenomenal, right? And broadcast tried to do that, right? They had a platform back in the day called OCAP. Um, the idea was you as a user would have your remote control and you could do some stuff with the content, like the little buttons and things. It flopped miserably. But with streaming, like you surround it by an app or you surround the video by a website or a player. And all of a sudden you've got like ways to do amazing advertising, all this data you can pull from the user. So everybody wants that. Like everybody wants that model. They don't, you know, they don't want to stay in the traditional broadcast model. So it is shifting, but it's going to take still, you know, probably another couple of decades. Yeah, 100% I agree. I think there is time for it to mature. And, and like you said, go down these different pathways, find out what works, yep. find out what doesn't, um, and, and get it perfect. Uh, you did just briefly touch on it there towards the end, and it is these kind of advertising possibilities that are, you know, available through, through over the top you know, OTT and streaming video. How are you guys at the Alliance seeing advertisers leverage streaming content, you know, to, to obviously maximize their return on investment? Um, and I suppose most crucially reach new audiences. Yeah, I think I think that like so from a business model perspective as the Alliance, we are, again, a technology consortia. So we don't deal with, you know, the business of streaming. We deal with the technology of streaming. Now, mind you, there's a whole lot of technology on the back end of advertising for streaming. It's very complicated. It's broadcast is you would slot in a box like a black arrow um, and, and you're advertising would be good to go. Um, so I'm done. <laughs> Not with streaming, right? Streaming, there's just a bunch of different constituent parts. You got to get them to all work together. Uh, but yes, right. So for, for what we call AVOD services, so advertising based services. Um, yeah. I mean, we're seeing the shift from traditional broadcast television into streaming from, from, from advertisers, right? And the reason being is because you can target the ads so much better in streaming than you can on television. Um, that, that's, a, that's a big shift. Obviously, again, the lion's share is still with the lion's share of how people watch video content, which is traditional broadcast, but it's, it is rapidly shifting. And you know, you're seeing a lot of these experimentations now with uh, streaming providers saying like, well, can we have a like advertising-based version? Can we have a 
you know, charge users for more money for non-advertising based. Look at like Peacock, right? Peacock launched advertising based. Hey, here's all our content for free. You know, you just got to watch ads like you're used to watching on television, right? It's the replication of that model. So I think what we're going to see and what we're starting to see, you know, within the alliance and outside of the alliance is that streaming operators are starting to experiment, right? What can we do in terms of ad supported content? How can, how can we leverage our content to generate ads without angering people? Um, think about the issue, like how many times have you watched streaming and seen the same ad like seven times in a row? You know, th that's an inventory issue. And so we're just, you know, we're just not there yet, but we will be. We will be at a point where I think the advertising experience will operate in streaming much like the advertising experience does in, in traditional television. The pods might be smaller and the ad length might be smaller because again, it's all about distraction. Um, but I, but I do believe that, you know, there's, there's a lot of experimentation going on right now and they're just trying to, people are trying to figure it out. Yeah. hundred percent. It, it clicked for me when obviously I was watching something on catch up earlier on today. Um, and it was these ads being delivered to me based on location. So I don't know whether that was yep. obviously IP address or, uh, when you sign up, increasingly they might be asking you for more information about yourself, Martin. They as well more data. Well, um, it, and it's more than that, right? They 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 watch what you watch, right? It's all data. Yes, exactly. So now we can yeah. sort of see. And then, what do people like you tend to watch in relation to other people like you, and what they watch? And maybe you'll want to watch this. So yeah. a lot of the advertising is, you know, what we call um, addressable, right? So it's, th this is the big push in streaming is addressable advertising. It's how do you target the ad to you as the individual? It's possible. Um, Sky has actually been doing it from their set top box, which is IP based. Um, they have an addressable advertising solution that can target ads to you in a specific room of your house. Um, it's crazy, isn't it, it? It's, it's crazy, but, but though we know that those ads are much more valuable because they're yeah. targeted to you and, and, and you have all this data then feeding into each other, right? So if you're on Facebook, Facebook is the app is listening to you. Those ads are going into your Facebook ads. People are getting access to that data, aggregated data that's going into this other system. It's just, it's all interlinked. Everything you do online is going to impact and affect the ads that you see in your streaming video. Yeah. 100% and yeah even uh, a neat little feature I did find out today was I haven't seen it on too many streaming platforms but but obviously uh, in terms of AVOD when you click off the tab the, the ads pause and you have to be present on the tab scrolled right up to the top of the page that's um, right for the, for the content right. to play and I, I was just like oh you, you've you've got me there or, you know <laughs> but yeah, it's and, yeah and, I, and it's funny to see like which advertising companies are okay with you fast forwarding the ad, right? So yeah. YouTube has that built in, which is you can skip the ad and you know, five, four, three, two, one. I think users find that hugely valuable because if you giving me an ad that I don't find interesting and I have no interest in buying a sync, I don't want to watch that ad. Um, yeah. And then you can use that data against my demographics and against my viewing history and my behavior to target better ads to me. I want better ads. Yeah. Yeah, it is all about data, really, isn't it? When you boil it down, and it's yeah, it is. Yeah, that's the way it's got to go. Um, so yeah, Jason, I was curious. I just wanted to throw this one in. Um, how are you and the alliance looking at virtual reality and VR content for streaming? Do you think it's you know a force to eventually be reckoned with, um, or, or do you think it's really still proving itself, or, or have you not taken notice at all? Yeah, so actually, it's it's yes to all of that. Um, yeah, we have a VR study group. So we have a group that's looking actively, they've, they've published a document 
that looked at the landscape of um, VR 360 degree video, right? So what's being done What what and what are the technologies in play? Like, what do you need to know in order to be able to even start looking at producing some content like this? Um, that group just finished up a document on XR. Um, and it's a it's a it's a very big document. It's sort of what are the use cases, what are the applications, how can video play in this, how does XR relate to video, streaming video, and all that. Um, that document's going through an editing process. It'll then move into ratification. So we'll see it at the end of the year, probably. But it, it's yes, we are big believers that VR, you know, that virtual reality is um, it's twofold, right? One, it's a technology challenge to solve. So how do you tell stories? in a virtual environment, um, that's gonna require a new paradigm of storytelling, right? Because if you're in a virtual environment and you turn to the left to look at something and you miss the character saying something to the right or doing something, you know, how do you, how do you tell stories in that manner? Um, and so that, that lot of challenges there, um, you know, to, to, to solve. And then there's also sort of what's the, what's the applicability of watching traditional told stories in a virtual environment, like, you know, like big screen on the Oculus, right? Can I watch a movie there with my friends? I sit next to them. So we are looking at all of those technologies. And of course, with live sports, right? How do you overlay data on, you know, in, in an AR or XR type environment so that you can, you know, see uh, player data, player information, guys are scoring. What are they, I mean, how often are they, how often do you score a goal from that point on the pitch? So it's, it's, Yes, we are. We believe that that is a huge future of streaming. Um, that is a part of streaming's future. And so we are actively engaged in looking at the technologies and understanding where the challenges are right now so that we can begin to build specs and things like that. I mean, one of the projects that we're working on is, you know, how to reduce latency in live streaming VR video. Right. So that's a big issue. Right. You put your you put your 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 headset on and you're watching a soccer match, a football match in VR. Like if if there's any latency, right, photon to, to motion latency, like you're, you're literally probably going to start puking. So how do, how do you solve that? And then how at the same time, how do you, you know, improve the quality when somebody pans to the right or to the left? How do you reduce bandwidth, save bandwidth, you know, when you know that you need really 4K per eye? So, um, so we have an actual proof of concept right now. There's a lab that Verizon has set up and working with a bunch of member companies to sort of test out network optimization to improve the delivery of that big, big content stream to the devices, um, you know, without hogging everything, I just, you know, compression and coding, everything in between. So yeah, we're, we're big, big proponents of VR and, and we believe that that's a, a big part of the future of streaming. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic to hear. It's it's you know when I, I I did some research about VR, it's so often you see people talk it down, um, or, or write it off. I think it is a case, like you said, of us trying to come over these hurdles and and completely understand it. Um, but it's still so fresh, isn't it? As a technology, you know, people seem to forget. Um, technology moves fast nowadays as well, doesn't it? That's right. So it's you know that's right. I mean. It- you know, VR has been around for a long time and it's failed a bunch of bunch of times. Yeah but, okay, but, yeah. but so did mobile, right? So I mean, you know, people kept bagging and no one's gonna look at the internet on their mobile phone. No one's gonna watch video on their mobile phone. And ten years later, it's like hey, everyone's watching video on their mobile exactly. phone. So VR, we're at the point now with with like the Oculus Quest 2 and a couple of other devices, we're at the price point where people can afford a really awesome untethered 
VR experience. So now you've got that. Gaming is the first use case. So people are playing games. But the next thing is like, Oh, well, hey, I'm just going to, since I've already got this on my face, I'm going to watch that YouTube video I wanted to watch. Oh, I'm going to watch that movie with my friends I want to watch. Oh, I'm going to just jump into that football match. It it just takes time and adoption. And so, you know, I just look at all the naysayers like, eh, you know, whatever. Um, VR is coming. AR is coming. XR is coming. It's coming to video. It, you know, give it 10, 15 years. We're all going to be looking back going, why did we doubt this? Um, so, so yeah, it, it it's it's going to happen. I think yeah, the one thing I'm most probably most excited about in that respect is is live sport and being involved in that in some yes. some way, shape, or form. Um, so that's that will tide me uh, over. Just, I'm very excited. There's so many cool ways and things that that people are going to, and that's what we're in. We're in the experimentation phase right now. Yeah. You know, and obviously, uh, streaming operators and content rights holders with deeper pockets are more willing to experiment um, because they 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 can write off. You know that for you know as a, as as a as a biz, cost of doing business um, versus a smaller company who's like, listen, if I invest in something like that, I got to see a return on my investment. And when the bigger guy doesn't really need to see a return on his investment just yet, they know that they're just experimenting. They're finding out what's going to stick. Hey, and I hope it sticks, Jason. I really hope it does. <laughs> it will. It will. It will. Don't don't worry. It'll stick. Um, and then, Jason, this is a question we ask at the end of every episode, and, and today I'm, I'm slightly tweaking it um just to kind of revolve around a streaming industry in particular um but if you could sum it up in one word one word only uh what do you envision for the future of the streaming industry uh (laughs) i would probably say growth right it's just going to continue to grow um you know the other one where if i was going to give another one word it would be evolution right so the technology is going to continue to evolve and change. Um, so those two things are, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. They're tied. They're tied together. I was going to say it's very much two things that coexist, isn't it? Two things that will tie yeah. together. Um, and after this chat, to be honest, I, I, I'm coming away feeling a lot more excited about what the future will hold for streaming. Um, <laughs> you should be. It's it's the VR, Jason. It's the VR. <laughs> So obviously, Jason, thank you for joining us today. I really do appreciate it. Um, are there any kind of exciting plans in the pipeline for the, the Streaming Video Alliance that you could talk to us about? Yeah, today? yeah, we've got a lot of docs coming out this year. Um, we're always looking at new areas of interest, so things like edge compute, AI, ML, um, you know, talking about things uh, as the technology and the stack moves to uh, code as infrastructure and serverless functions. You know, how, how do we help streaming operators embrace those and use those and evaluate them? Um, and then we're also looking at, from an education perspective, you know, launching a university, right? So helping oh, not only the industry get more educated on the challenges, but also helping like folks like broadcast engineers transition in, into streaming engineers. So uh, that'll that'll be coming out later this year. We'll have some free content, and then you know, next year we'll probably start up with some uh, some courses, some paid courses, and maybe some multi-course topics uh, and things like that. But that's we're really excited about being able to to delve into another way to help educate and help the industry. Yeah, no, it sounds absolutely fantastic. I think we'll be keeping out, uh, an eye out for that one. Um, and then how can people get in touch with the Alliance directly if they, they've got any inquiries or want to get in touch? Um, they can actually email me. So it's really easy. It's just jt uh, at streamingvideoalliance.com. Yeah, just 
shoot me an email. Um, we have some chat options available on the website as well. And then we've got contact forms, but that's the easiest way. They all come to me anyway. So that's the easiest yeah. way to get a hold of me is just email me. Just go straight to the source. Um, yeah, Jason, so what we'll do is we'll uh, put a link to the website as well in the podcast description. So cool. anyone on Spotify, Apple Music, feel free to head to the description. You can find the website there. Um, so Jason, I think that's everything I had for you today. Uh, I really do appreciate you taking the time to answer all these questions. Um, and it was great to kind of hear just all the exciting developments that, that streaming's got going on and it's so non-stop isn't it you know it's uh that's yes uh we so like back to the pandemic we grew our biggest i mean we grew by almost i think 20 or 25 percent uh and we're close to 100 member companies now you know during the pandemic people were you know like oh my gosh there's these real world problems we gotta solve the, help solve these issues yeah it, it streaming is so exciting right now um I'm, I'm super excited to be where I'm at as well. I mean, the, the organization is amazing. Our board of directors is amazing. Our member companies are amazing. So it, it's so much fun to be helping drive the technology evolution within this industry. Yeah, no, it's brilliant, Jason. Thank you so much for, for taking the time out. Really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's really been great. Cheers, Jason. Cool.